Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast with me, your host, Frank Flake. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the largest negotiation that I have ever done with a single vendor. I was called by a relatively new client. This client's been with me for about three months and I have to admit she's been pretty awesome she has done two days training with me and that's about it (laughs) taken that training and absolutely applied herself she's been there in person on for the two days then she's listened to the audio of those two days training over and over and over and she's taken action She's done a goldmine area analysis. She's picked a goldmine area and has started relatively low cost marketing. So this particular lead came from the donut strategy, which regular listeners will know is going into local letting agents and estate agents. Historically, it would have been estate agents. But in the current climate, with so many landlords exiting the sector, it's actually letting agents is a a really, really lucrative and fruitful source of of vendors. And a lot of these landlords are just needing to, to get at out now or they're just feeling like they need to get out and this is where this this lead came from so she followed the system chatted to the letting agent asked if there were any landlords that were selling now this particular landlord initially said they wanted to sell a few of their properties it turns out they actually want to sell just over 200 of their properties and we estimated that they were originally and this is really really important if you're negotiating deals with motivated vendors we initially estimated their level of motivation at maybe a three and when we realized that this vendor had quite a few properties i offered to step into the negotiation to really just to see how well we could we could do it how well we could negotiate the deal because this client has actually never bought a buy-to-let property before. <laughs> but she was just following the system and we know the, the system works. But Which is funny because I've had people tell me that donut strategy doesn't work. And what they mean is it doesn't work for them. They can't make it work. I've had people tell me that buying from landlords doesn't work. But we've bought best part of 60 properties this year and the majority of those have come from landlords. And so this week, just a couple of days ago, Having had a Zoom call with this landlord, drove down to our offices and spent four hours with us. Now, I think they spent six or seven hours driving that day, so they were definitely motivated. And at the end of the the meeting, spent four hours with them, went out for lunch. They met our team, saw the offices. At the end of that meeting, I judged them to be a nine out of ten motivated. Bankruptcy is definitely on the cards for them repossession is definitely on the cards and when you've got over 200 properties it's very hard to just go and make the money to prop up the the shortfall in in negative cash flow the portfolio is either cash flow positive or it's cash flow negative and unfortunately for this particular vendor it's it's currently cash flow negative for, for a variety of reasons and in addition to that nine out of ten motivation and nine out of ten by the way is sleepless nights stress because of the situation, ill health because of the situation, but still thinking clearly. 10 out of 10 is where mentally the vendor has capitulated and isn't really thinking clearly. So you don't really get vendors 
much more motivated than these uh, these guys. And in this episode, what I'm going to talk to you about is how we got from them being a very nervous, quite closed couple when they arrived. The other business partner we didn't um, even know was coming. They just decided to come. I was very glad they decided to come, but but it was a surprise to us. And obviously that business partner I'd not had the Zoom call with, so I wasn't, didn't have any rapport at all. Didn't even know their name, actually. The client knew their name and said, oh, this must, must be so-and-so, but I didn't know their name. So very little rapport with them. So we went from thinking they were a two or a three motivated out of 10 and having quite a, a standoffish, cold level of rapport. They felt like they were coming to talk about a few properties, which wasn't going to solve their issue. They needed to be solving the issue of their entire portfolio. And so there's all almost a helplessness about them, as if this is a waste of our time. But in the Zoom call, I had planted the seed that we could buy more from them. And by the end of those four hours, and you might think four hours is a long time, but this is £30 million worth of property. We're looking at potentially picking this up at 70% of market value. Now, if you run the numbers on that, that's just shy of 10 million pounds of equity. This one deal will make this client for life. My client will never have to do a deal again if we get this one over the line. Now, she might choose to, but she won't need to. Cash flow per month on those properties is a £105,000 a month. That's gross rent. Gross rent is £105,000 a month. And so in this episode, I'm going to talk about how you take a vendor from thinking they're a two or three out of ten motivated and very cold and frosty to I gave them hugs at the end, knowing they're a nine out of ten and getting that level of rapport to the point where we know everything about their portfolio and they're hoping that we can solve their problem. I've introduced them to my lawyers. I've introduced them to my legal team because they have a legal problem at the moment. I've spoken about my lending team because I think we might be able to do something with lending. I am in a very high level of rapport with these guys from just a four hour meeting. And so how do you do that? How do you achieve that level of rapport where they they arrived thinking they wanted to sell a few properties. They were thinking they were going to sell less than 5% and they've left thinking that we might be the answer to their whole problem and that they hope we can help them. I'm meeting with their largest lender this week. So the very next week I'm meeting on Zoom with their lenders because there are arrears involved and the lender's obviously very concerned because it's a very large loan. That's a high level of trust. And so how do you get there? Well, you get there in many, many small steps and people, well, the client at the end of the uh, meeting, we always do a, a light best next time review. And the client said that was a masterclass in selling. And and we'd done it as a team. We'd done a session in advance. We'd done a session when it was booked in a couple of weeks ago. We then did a session just for half an hour beforehand. So we all knew what the score was. And then we did a review afterwards. And we followed a plan. We just followed a plan throughout the 
the four hours. Obviously, the biggest objective was to raise the level of rapport, raise the level of trust. We know that we're really good at solving vendors' problems. We know we're trustworthy. We know if we say we're going to do something, we're actually going to do it. But it's really important to recognise. In fact, today I'm presenting on a, uh, a martial arts stage, actually. We have our largest event of the year, over 100 martial arts school owners from around the country coming to our headquarters in rugby to learn about how to grow and improve their martial arts schools. And I'm, I'm speaking on that stage about the, the journey from when someone arrives at your martial arts school to when they decide whether they're going to join or not. So they typically will arrive for a free trial and whether they're going to stay and become part of the family or whether they feel like it's not a great match for them and they're going to um, give it a miss and not come back again. And all those principles are exactly the same as the ones I was employing with these landlords. The first impressions, so where they parked, the directions we gave them in advance to find the offices, where we sat in the offices, what I was wearing. I recognised that the guy might be really smartly dressed or he might be really scruffly dressed or he could be somewhere in between. And so because I recognised how important it was to be in rapport with him, I dressed in such a way that I would be matching him regardless of how he dressed. I actually had two jackets. So we'd arranged that we'd go for lunch. We bought lunch, important from a emotional bank account perspective for us to pay for lunch but I had two jackets one dressed my outfit up and one dressed my outfit down and as as we were walking back for lunch from lunch so we're probably three and a half hours in the guy put his arm around my shoulders and had a quiet word with me out of earshot of his business partner and and my client that shows a massive level of trust it wasn't anything he was hiding from them he was just saying right then on monday i'm going to get you this and i'm going to send this over to you etc that was him saying literally you're in my inner circle now you know we're, we're a team and you think wow you get that from just wearing the right clothes no <laughs> wearing the right clothes is the first step it's the first baby step the next step is how you greet them where you sit you want to be on the same side of the, as the of the table as them ideally do you get them a tea and a coffee do you listen to their disc profile my presentation this afternoon is split into two halves msr is the first half which is basically losing a sale by incremental baby steps <laughs> so the m stands for me being focused on you applying the golden rule rather than the platinum rule so treating people like you would want to be treated rather than how they would want to be treated the s stands for being in sales mode and we all know what salespeople do they talk and being in get energy and then finally the r so msr the r is red and every time you do something that puts a vendor off even slightly or puts in this case martial art trialists off so first time martial art visitors martial art school visitors the r is it's a red flag for them and they metaphorically take a step back from your from the sale and in this case from the sale of 200 plus properties and don't be mistaken into thinking well they're selling to me 
they've got to sell their properties no if they were selling to you they'd be selling at market value if you're wanting to buy these from them at below market value or control now pay later then you're going to you're you're selling a service and they're buying from you really really important that and then the other side of the equation that i'm presenting on this afternoon is pdg and the p stands for the platinum rule so treating them how they want to be treated and when when this couple came in he was obviously a little nervous but he's also and this is what the d stands for in pdg it stands for disc you have to recognize someone's disc profile their personality profile and i study disc and it's probably made me the most money out of everything i've ever learned because this guy was a high eye he was friendly he was talkative he was sociable and so he came in he's in a heightened state of awareness he's got adrenaline pumping because this is you know a, an important meeting for him and he's he's motivated so he wants this to go well and so he talked a lot well the m of msr is me i want to tell him i've just said what our objective was our objective was to demonstrate to him explain to him that we were competent enough and good enough to buy his portfolio interestingly not wealthy enough you don't have to be wealthy to buy a portfolio really important that at no point did he ask how many properties i had for example so that's that's something that I could imagine people struggling with. Well, I, I don't own 200 properties, so I can't possibly buy 200 in one go. That's, that's a limiting belief. So the platinum rule is treat them how they want to be treated. He wanted to talk loads. So I didn't chip in with, well, I've got this many properties. And yeah, 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 I know what that is. And I wasn't trying to be the man. I was letting him be the man, even though it was really important to me to have them leave that meeting trusting me. I still let him speak and he spoke for a long time probably the majority of the first 40 minutes or so he was speaking and what that did is it gave him time to calm down him time to relax and people like you when you give them airtime people trust you when you truly listen and of course it's active listening it's commenting on what he's saying it's reflecting back to him etc but I just waited I just waited until he had come to a natural conclusion. And he, he actually said something like, and what about you, Frank? As if, your turn to talk now. And I said, yeah, sure. Would, would, would you like me to tell you a little bit about me? Um, and the two of them, especially the other partner who didn't know me and hadn't had the, the Zoom call, said, yeah, that'd be great. And so I just gave them a, a brief history of my 16 years in property. And you could see them visibly relaxing as I, as I did it. Now, the benefit of listening to someone for 45 minutes is you understand them really well. So I got that these were humble people that these were grafters who'd worked hard. They were honest. They valued relationships. They they had traditional values of fairness and, and they were self-made as well. Well, by learning all that about them, by listening, I could then describe my 16 years in property in a way that appealed to them, that they would resonate with. And, and it really is as simple as the other person sitting there and thinking to themselves, oh, Frank's my kind of man. Yeah, this is someone I like. This is someone I can do business with. And you might think to yourself, no, they don't, they don't make that, deci that decision, you know, in the first 45 minutes, the first hour and a half. But they absolutely do because we are very judgmental, 
very intuitive beings. We've been designed to make swift decisions on whether to trust someone or not. Is this someone who's going to share their meal with me? Or is this someone who's going to hit me over the head with a club? That's like our evolutionary upbringing. It's hardwired into us. So we're hardwired to get a good feeling about someone or not. But if you employ the really, really simple, not easy, but simple steps that that I talk about on this podcast, you will realize that vendors will trust you. And then there were other things. We traveled in the same car to lunch so we could keep talking. I sat in the back of the car to give the one of the vendors the chance to sit in the front and one of the vendors the chance to sit in the back so now we're a team traveling together we talked and one of my mentors once explained this to me i don't know if i've ever explained this on the podcast before but um he actually taught dating and he was talking about the importance of dating that people will feel like they trust their partner or they're the person that they're dating, you know, the new partner, more if they've had more dates. And what he was saying was, it doesn't mean dates on different days. It means stages. And I didn't understand it to begin with. But he said, if if you want to get to the level of trust of three dates, then break your date down into stages. And, and, and I was like, what, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, don't go out for a meal. Go out for a meal, then go and watch a movie, and then go for a cocktail. And he said, that will feel like three dates to the other person. Because they're in three different locations, they're three different things. And the level of trust goes up proportionally the level of connection and so when you're doing a sophisticated help visit that's all this was a sophisticated help visit and you think well hang on i thought of help visit you go to their house and you spend an hour or two in their house well yeah you do when it's a owner occupier but you know which house would you go to if there's 200 of them they're all tenanted and the reason they came to our offices is because i wanted the emotional commitment if you go to their offices now you're selling but them coming to us, they're motivated. They're committing to the transaction. So to employ that principle in this setting, knowing that we were going to have, we were aiming for three hours, but we allowed four hours. And we basically said, we'll be with these guys until we're done. We had the first date in one office around a round table. And that was deliberate. It's a glass walled office, which is important because that, demonstrates transparency it also meant that they could see all of our team there's over 20 people in that office and so they could see the team which added to credibility etc the second date was the team were coming down for lunch and this this was planned out we planned this out the team were coming down for lunch and they're playing pool and playing darts and it's pretty loud and raw raucous i think that's the word and i called it a circus anyway and said to them that it might be a bit better if we went to a quiet room so we then went to our training suite and sat around a uh a training table which again they could then see what a good environment you know what a, just what a professional environment we had so that's our second date our third date then we went to a local country pub and the choice we could have gone michelin star but the choice was deliberate good quality country pub 20 25 quid a main course to give you an idea and that's important because again we don't we're not trying to impress them 
we're just trying for them to feel comfortable with us and you you're not going to alienate anyone with a 20 25 pound main course but you could with a 80 pound main course they might have thought oh this is a bit posh this isn't us and similarly you don't really want to take them to mcdonald's because they might feel alienated by that so that was the third date and then the fourth date was when we got back and this was really important i think some people would have shied away from the sale but I'm laser focused on my outcome. And so in the last 20 minutes or so of the four hours, I laid out their options. And I said, these are your five options and where you are at in a year or two will be one of these five or a combination of them. And it was everything from best case scenario to worst case scenario, which was repossession and bankruptcy. And and I said, look, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I think it's useful to recognize that this is an option here. We could end up here. And it had me buying no properties from them and me buying all of the properties from them. And I said, and again, I know you didn't arrive thinking that I'd buy all these properties from you, but that may be your best option. And throughout from about one hour in, I was talking about us as a team. We can do this, we'll do this, etc. And that's why he put his arm around me. That's why I gave him a hug before we left. Because now we're a team and we're in this together. And I seriously don't want him stressing. I don't want his health to deteriorate because of this. That's not good. And I have it in my power to help him. So I want to. And I actually got up on the flip chart and I wrote down the five options. And the guy said, can we have a copy of that? And I said, absolutely. I said, let's, let's create a WhatsApp group. You guys on WhatsApp? Brilliant. So we created a WhatsApp group and now we're chatting in the WhatsApp group. Thanks for traveling down. I've spoken to my lawyers. They're going to review your situation. Don't worry, I'm going to pay for it for you. They, they won't put you on the clock. Here's my breakdown of my whole portfolio, Frank, with all the rents, all the addresses, all the mortgages. That is a high level of trust to share that with me. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you so much for your time. These are the messages we're getting from them. And at the end of the day after they'd gone, we did a little review. And I always do this. I estimate the percentage chance of doing a deal. Now here, we've got the percentage chance of doing the whole portfolio. But I said, let's do percentage chance of, of getting 50 properties here, of, of buying 50 properties. And I've put that at 20%. Now my client thought it was 60% and that's normal. It's normal for people to go go higher than it actually is. Because... I think these people are highly likely. I don't think we could have done much better in that meeting, but there are other factors that we need to consider. The lenders are a factor, etc. Raising 20 million pounds is is a factor, you know, that's not something you can you can guarantee to do. Time is a factor. Can we buy them quickly enough, etc. And so I said 20% and I and I think that's about reasonable. But if it's 20 and that might sound low to you. Wow, you spent a whole day with them, Frank, you know. Well, it's 4 hours, but yeah, it's probably an hour there and an hour back to the offices, so 6 hours a lot of time thinking about it. So yeah, it probably is best part of the day for just a 20% chance. But the way I look at it is that means I need to sit down with 5 of those to get 50 deals over the line. Am I happy to sit am I happy to do 5 days work sitting with vendors by the way that's my most enjoyable thing I do. There's nothing I enjoy more than sitting with vendors and working out how to solve their problems. And there you have it. I'll keep you posted on what may be my largest deal ever. That would yeah, the biggest deal I've ever had. That'd be my annual goals for next year achieved in one go and potentially agreed before the start of the year which would be amazing. Until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated property investing. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now.